Well, the whole thing with the horse is they have to stay balanced. And if the rider's not balanced, there's no possible way for the horse to be balanced. And that's why I came up with this idea that anything you do walking, you do riding. You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to The Ride, a bi-weekly podcast brought to you by Horse and Rider Magazine, co-hosted by Nicole Cherico and Devin Conley. In each episode, we chat with some of the industry's top trainers, clinicians, horsekeeping experts, and professionals to share inspiring stories, training philosophies, and the importance of living your best Western horse life. Welcome back to another episode of The Ride. On this episode, Devin sits down with Terry Myers. Terry is a leading trainer, teacher, and national clinician, but above all, he is a horseman. Terry has trained a variety of breeds and disciplines for state, national, and world competition, and is here today to discuss the importance of rider body position and being in tune with your horse. This episode is brought to you by ADM Animal Nutrition. At ADM Animal Nutrition, our mission is doing what's right for the horse, and that starts with quality feed. The ADM Forage First Patriot Feeds are premium feed blends formulated for horses at every stage of life. Our Forage First philosophy means starting with the highest quality forage available, then adding the right Patriot product. Each bag of Patriot feed includes grow-strong vitamins and minerals, as well as ingredients to support gut function and integrity. Patriot Equine Feeds, the official sponsor of Good Times and Best Friends. Feed Forage First. Feed Patriot. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Ride Podcast. I'm Devin. Today, I am joined by Terry Myers. Terry has been in the horse industry for over 50 years, from racehorses to ranch horses, including teaching students. He's kind of done it all. So we're really excited to have Terry here. He's a wealth of knowledge, an excellent uh, horse trainer, horse um, expert, and we're excited to learn from him. Terry, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. So we've been talking quite a bit, uh, you and I, back and forth about the importance of rider body position and how that impacts your training, it impacts your riding, it impacts your progress with your horse. So can you just touch on a little bit why, how the rider's uh, body position, why it's so important to everything they do with their horse? Well, the whole thing with the horse is they have to stay balanced. And if the rider's not balanced, there's no possible way for the horse to be balanced. And that's why I came up with this idea that Anything you do walking, you do riding, because we don't think about how we walk at all. So when you walk, you're basically balanced all the time. <clears throat> you look where you're going, your shoulders are always square, and it's the same thing with the horse. If, if you're not doing that on top of a horse, the horse can't be balanced. And if they're not balanced, they're not moving properly, and <clears throat> they're not using their back end, they get forehand heavy. And if you look at a lot of the lamenesses today, the lamenesses are in the front end. So if we make that horse forehand heavy, he's not going to last as long. Yeah, I think that's such a, a simple but important comment that um, you, you noted to me that the horse is a rear wheel drive vehicle, uh, but they carry so much weight in their front end. So we have to figure out the balance between that. When did you kind of start formulating this philosophy on balance and rider body position. I met when I was younger and dumber, I met this gentleman named Wayne Allen and he was in the last regular U S cavalry. And so, you know how long that's been. And uh, he was so balanced and so proper on a horse and he could move different ways 
and just make the horse change in what he was doing. And he's kind of the one that got me started. And then I, I watched a lot of dressage people and stuff and watched how they rode. And it just, it just seemed to work. And a lot of the, what the horse does in the show ring is about movement. But yeah, correct. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. You're also a judge. You judge quite a few horse shows you have for a while. Yes, ma'am. So is that something um, that you've noted, like you said, in the show ring, is that something that plays into how uh, riders are scored, horses are scored in your mind, is the balance piece? I think it is, because if you think about judging a horse show, you have 60 to 90 seconds to look at a horse, decide what it's going to do. So it's that first impression that hits you. So if that horse is not correct in the way it's moving, if, if its hocks are back in through its tail, you know it's not driving from the back end. and you can mark them off really quick and know what you're looking for and what you want to see. Right. That makes sense. Um, you mentioned that you have even done work like on the racetrack and that you, you rode racehorses and, and trained on racehorses. Has that impacted any of your beliefs on uh, balance and rider body position, or did that come kind of later when you came into the show world? It, it came kind of later when I got back into the show horse world. Okay. And recently, well, maybe not recently, but you say that you now work with ranch horses. Yes, um, can you talk a little bit about your entry into the ranch classes and how uh, that's impacted your training philosophies or your riding philosophies? Yeah, we're in, we're in the eastern part of the United States, east of the Mississippi River. So our biggest ranch association back here is American Ranch Horse Association. And in their ranchmanship, which is kind of like quarter horses ranch riding, there's a, a box in there when you're judging it that is judged just on movement. So you want the horses going forward, and as they go forward, they're going to get flatter in front, and the more they use their back end, they get flatter in that front end. And the flatter they are, the better they move. So, you know, the ranch horse has made a big difference. You're not doing that slow lope or the slow trot. And you're allowing the horse to move in a motion that he's, he's, it's natural for him. And so I think that's the biggest thing is getting these horses back to being natural instead of doing what we're, we try to do with them a lot. I think that's definitely a big pull for the ranch classes and why they've gotten so popular, it seems, is because people love the, the natural movement and how much movement is scored in the ranch that's, classes. Like, this is a, an analysis, but... We're here at the home of the American Quarter Horse Congress. We're like uh, 35, 40 minutes away from it. <clears throat> and I can remember Jody Gallion winning the two-year-old snaffle bit fraternity at the Congress, and he passed every horse in the ring. But the horse was so natural in the way it moved, they rewarded him for that. And today it's almost how slow can we get them to make them go? Right. Right, yeah, it's been very, very cool to see that natural movement come back. Um, so for people that are listening that are thinking like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. I, the balance piece makes sense. The ride the back end to get the front end to move correctly makes sense. And they might be thinking to themselves, where do I even start with this? What is your advice for somebody that wants to be a more proper rider? They want to start riding more balanced. Um, you have a lot of really great analogies about walking on the ground and implementing those moves in the saddle. Can you just touch a little bit on where do you even start to become a more balanced rider and be focused on your position? 
number one, you got to start thinking. Let me back up a second. When I was younger, everybody kept saying, you got to think like a horse. You got to think like a horse. So <clears throat> if you're thinking like a horse, their instincts to me is basically the same as a person. If I push on them, they push back. If I pull on them, they pull back. So horses are never meant to be pulled. They're meant to be driven forward. So if you think about your body position, when you walk, you always lead through your shoulders. And if you take a person when, they, when they're on a horse, the first thing they want to do, their instincts take over and they want to pull back to make that horse turn. Well, horses are bilateral. When I say bilateral, <clears throat> if I pull in that left rein, I make the hip move to the right. If I pull in the right rein, I make the hip move to the left. So if every time I turn that horse, I pull his head and pull his hip. If I pull in the left rein, I pull his hip to the right. I'm automatically dumping him on his front end. And in order to keep that front end behind him, I got to support him with the outside rein and basically keep my inside shoulder forward, which happens in your seat. <clears throat> and if you think about your seat, for instance, you know, it's like kind of like, a, have you ever snow skied? You're in Colorado. You've probably snow skied before, haven't you? I have. Yeah, I'm, I'm a much better uh, flat skier than downhill skier. <laughs> okay. Well, I've never done either one, but I did get to watch the Olympics. So, you know, I'm kind of an expert on this now. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> if, if you take a downhill skier, they turn through their hips. Right. So every time they turn, like if they're going left, their left hip goes more that side. <clears throat> if you stand up and do that, you automatically move, automatically move your left shoulder forward. So when you go then right and move that right hip forward, your right shoulder goes forward. That keeps the skier balanced. And basically, you're doing the same thing when you walk on the ground. If you walk a circle to the right, your right shoulder, your right hips forward. If you pull your right arm back, you automatically move your left hip out, which gets you forehand heavy in your left in your right leg. So it all comes back to what's what's best for the horse. Yeah, ultimately, I mean, I I think that's the that sums up uh, so many great training philosophies. That's what's what's best for the horse. Ultimately, yeah. um, you have talked a little bit about uh, like an exercise you can do with your elbows when you're walking to get you conscious of how you can shorten or lengthen your horse's stride in the saddle with just your arms and your elbows. Can you talk a little bit, a little bit about that? Yeah. Like my big pet peeve today is to watch a horsemanship class. <clears throat> They're locking a lot of these young people down, young people and amateurs, both by make them stick their elbows in their sides. Well, if you get up and walk like that, your stride actually gets shorter. And as your stride gets shorter, doesn't allow that horse to elevate his back because if your elbows are stuck in your sides, it actually shuts your seat down. And when you shut your seat down, and when I, what I'm saying by that is you kind of lock your hips up. It'll get the horse to hollow his back and his hocks will start to go back in his tail. But if you kind of air your armpits out a little bit, and like the acknowledge, you know, what I usually tell people is the fact that, you know, if you're showing all day, and your elbows are locked down your side, and it's really hot like it's been this summer, well, if you forgot to put your deodorant on that day, you're not going to be able to be around anybody because you're going to stink so bad. <laughs> you're going to run them off. Yeah, so you got to air those armpits out and allow the horse to go forward. And when you do this, if your arms are just a little bit ahead of the head of your body, 
it allows you to set back more. When your elbows come back into your sides, it actually tips you forward a little bit. But with those elbows out in front, you can't lock up or brace. I have a tool that I had made for me. It's made from a whip and it has a strap around the neck. And you put your arms in front of that object just underneath your elbows. You cannot brace. I'm a really firm believer if you brace, the horse braces. Sure. Right. So if, if you can keep yourself from bracing with a little bit of arm in front of yourself, you're going to keep that horse from bracing up and getting heavy in the front. Yeah, that makes sense. And I hear uh, quite a few trainers, and I know that the the you know rider body position is different for like cow horse events and um, cutting and reining and ranch horse classes versus all around classes, and that's just a, a difference. But for those um, cow classes, ranch classes, I hear a lot of trainers use the term athletic riding position. Right. Can you kind of break down what that looks like? What is an athletic riding position? Well, I never I never took ballet, but my little girl did. And an athletic position is almost like a plie in ballet. Your knees are open, your toes are out of 45, and you come down and you open your arms up to do that. If you watch your cow horse people, none of them guys are sticking their elbows in their sides. They're in front of themselves. By being in front of themselves, that sets them back farther and allows them to get down because that horse is going to make turns and stuff that the average person is not going to stay on. Right. And so, and it's like playing basketball volleyball whatever whatever sport you want to talk about you don't stand up straight with your elbows in your side if you're going to guard somebody playing basketball and it's just an athletic stance you're always your whole body's open and that helps the horse use his hind end better yes it does because it if you brace up your seat will brace and like if your feet are straight ahead if you stand up and your feet are straight ahead, you'll feel your hips start to lock up. As you turn your toes out to a 45, it'll open your hips up. If your hips are braced, that horse can't elevate his back and lift through his back to do things. With that foot at a 45, it allows that horse to elevate his back and come up. And like if you want to move your body weight around more, like if I want a horse to bend more to the left, through his whole body, his rib cage, and a whole bit, I might roll my toe out to where it's perpendicular to my body. Because as I roll that toe out, it actually drops my hip more to that inside, which allows that horse to bend around. It's all connected, right? It's all... It's all connected. All connected. Yeah. Would you say that there is a more important piece? Like if you had to pick a part of the body that if, if somebody wanted to start focusing on this what would you recommend they focus on first their their shoulders knees this is this is going to sound crazy but it's in your ankle okay if your ankle is relaxed and open like the if you watch people when their feet ride straight ahead unless they got that stirrup that's angled they're only going to be riding on the outside of their foot and you want your whole ball of your foot across the stirrup and if your foot's straight ahead there's no way to put your ball across the whole stirrup so when you once you roll your toe out a little bit, like at a 45, you'll feel your whole ball of your foot go across the tread of the stirrup. And once that gets fixed and your ankles relaxed, it'll move all the way up through your body. Does so that, that um, 
take pressure off the knee for people that often feel like knee pain in the saddle? Yes, because it opens the knee up. And if you watch a, a saddle bronc rider go, you'll never see a saddle bronc rider pinching his knee. It's nice and open. It's nice and open and where they can rule and come with the horse and get in timing with the horse. Okay. I think that's a really simple step for somebody to start with is just next time you get on your horse, if you're thinking about like, how can I improve my position? Just see where your ankles are at. Yeah. Yeah. And like I got, I've had the opportunity to go to West Point like four different times to work with the army mules and the soldiers and cadets. It's very cool. I I had the opportunity to go to the graduation ceremony and watch all the cadets march out of the buildings. And if you watch somebody stand at attention, they never stand with their feet straight ahead. They always stand with their feet at a 45. And like, I'm kind of old. So I remember the old days when in showmanship, they used to stand in the ring. It wasn't any of the show and go stuff. It was everybody came in the ring. They stood there the whole time. And if somebody had their feet straight ahead, their knees would lock up. And you'd see some of those people pass out. And it's the same thing on a horse. You you got to unlock your body to allow the horse to unlock his body. And you're going to be relaxed, more relaxed in the process. Yes. Correct. Yes. Okay. So is it an accurate statement to say that your body position, uh, let me rephrase that, to get your horse into a correct frame and correct body position, you need to be doing the same for yourself. Can you get your horse to move correctly if you are not riding correctly? No. No. A lot of these horses today are so broke and so mechanical that they go the same way over and over and over. But if you watch a lot of those horses, as they hit the ground, they're, they drop in their inside shoulder, their forehand heavy. They don't have enough stride up behind. And when they don't have that stride coming through behind, that's where we get hocks or horses because the hock is made to move more like this and not like this. So what are uh, some other consequences of your horse moving really forehand heavy? It can cause uh, hawk issues, like you just said. What other um, issues more, can arise from that the movement? The more it be pre-navicular okay. because they're pounding the ground as they get older. And then we got to start putting bar shoes or whatever else on we want to put on them. And they just don't carry themselves up. They'll get sore in the back and many different things like that. I mean, yeah, I, and this might be a, a tough question to answer. This might be a loaded question, but I'm I'm thinking somebody might be sitting there thinking to themselves, how do I know if my horse is moving forehand heavy? If maybe they're it, newer to riding, how, how can they tell? It's really simple. If you start counting, count your horse's feet and your count should be like a march, should be like a, a thing on the piano that goes tick, 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 tick. So if you're riding and you and you have a rhythm that's most people when they start the rhythm is like one two three four one two three four the three and four will drop off so when that three and four drops off that tells you the horse is forehand heavy and once that count once you can figure out and get that count to point where it's one two three four one two three four that's the rhythm it's like a march. It's like you start dancing with your horse. You get the horse point where the rhythm stays the same. And it's all about rhythm, rhythm and timing. 
Okay. That, that's really helpful. I like that. And I'm really hoping people that are listening will try these little things because after we've had our conversations, I have uh, tried all these little maneuvers on my horse and you, you can feel a difference. You know, and if it's sometimes it's really hard when you ask a person to count for them to figure out their count. They count, but they're not listening to themselves. And so sometimes it's really good to have a different person there to say, Hey, what do you what do you hear? No, that's not what you're hearing. Your one and two's heavy, or your one's heavy. Like a lot of times, people go one, two, three, four, and once that one hits, that inside front foot's usually heavy. And it, it seems like sometimes uh, folks that want to get their horse off the front end try to do so by pulling, pulling on the reins, pulling on the mouth right? How can you fix that? If that's kind of your go-to initially, like, oh, I'm just going to pull them up. That's probably not effective, right? Oh, because it goes back like what we said earlier, you know, your instincts tell you, if I pull on you, you're going to pull back. So if they're pulling on that horse, he's actually going to get to the point where he pulled back harder and they're going to get worse. He's going to get heavier. He's going to get heavier. So what I tell people too, is when you're holding your bridle reins, you're basically holding hands with your horse. And if you have a significant other or whatever, you don't drag them around. If you want them to come to you, it's a little bump, bump, bump and say, come with me. But once you lock down, you're going to change what the horse does. Like, for example, you can take a lead rope on a horse while you're leading it and have slack in the lead rope. You can make a fist on the rope with slack in it and the horse will change the way he moves. And you can open your hand up and just lead normal, and the horse will actually walk with you. But it, that horse is so sensitive, he can feel the tension in your hand leading him, even with slack in the rope. And this also explains, right, why nervous riders can make nervous horses. Exactly. Exactly. Or scared riders want to grab the bridle reins all the time, and they're going to change what the horse does. So it's all about getting a person to relax in their hands, you know, and like I, we were doing an expo probably 15 years ago up in uh, Rockford, Illinois, and I saw a guy and I can't remember his name, but he was into Zen with horses and you can hold your arm up and make a fist, which you think you're really strong and tough at that point. And a, a person can walk up and just push your arm right down, but you can put your arm out again and just wiggle your fingers. And it's much harder to push that hand down. So you actually have more strength when you're relaxed than you do when you're tense. Oh, that's interesting. And I think that is a, a good analogy to use in a lot of parts of our lives, but especially yeah. working with horses. Yeah. And, you know, I don't care who you are. No one's stronger than a horse. Right. So you're not going to overpower them. So you got to try to outthink them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we're uh, currently working on a series of articles uh, at Horse and Rider with Terry, where we're going to be talking more about body position and um, kind of starting from the, the top down, right? We're going head and neck all the way yep. to shoulders and knees and ankles. So definitely uh, tune in for that. We'll be posting those on our website and on social media as we go, because they're just chock full of knowledge. Uh, Terry, I'm so glad that you joined us today. I feel like even in this short episode, there was so much valuable information. Do you have anything um, just to kind of wrap up here that you think folks should know about 
balance uh, how their position affects their horse or just how to be like a better rider quickly? What I tell people is if your horse is falling apart, don't get mad at your horse. Stop back and say, what am I doing to cause this? And anytime you lose your temper on a horse, you get off and you sit on the fence till you're cooled down. But think about what are you doing before you get after your horse to make him do something. It's not you, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, uh, that's excellent advice. And I, I love the part about if you're mad, just you need to you need to cool off because you're not you gonna make any off. progress. Yep. Nope. You're gonna send them backwards instead of going forward. Oh, that's perfect. What a, what a great way to wrap this up. Uh, I'm so, so glad you joined us today. Thank you so much for your wisdom and your time. And um, I think this is going to be very valuable information to a lot of people. Thank you, Devin. This episode is brought to you by ADM Animal Nutrition, Patriot Equine Feeds, the official sponsor of Good Times and Best Friends. Feed Forage First. Feed Patriot. Thank you guys for tuning into the Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com to see all the cool things that we're up to. And if you have any comments or questions, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at equinenetwork.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes.